to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. Every day, thousands of couples declare their vows to each other in front of family and friends and mean every word. And yet, it is also true that couples make these vows not knowing the ways in which their marriage will be tested. In the hospital, I remember someone saying, do you know who that man is? But what happens when the person you love forgets everything about you? All memories of the past, how you met and fell in love, are in one devastating moment swiped. Could you remain steadfast and honor your vows even then? I had no idea who this man was. I didn't know his character his personality, anything to do with him, really. I, I had no history with him. And what if you weren't on the receiving end of such a life-changing incident, but in fact you were the one who forgot your partner? Could you fall in love with them all over again? At the time, we were still thinking, this is a short-term thing, and this is actually going to all get better. And we were just waiting for the day where you're back to normal again. And then just over the time you start to think, maybe it's not. I'm Tay Diggs, and from Sony Music Entertainment, this is You Had Me at Hello. The show where everyday people share their extraordinary stories of how they met and fell in love and sometimes how things later fell apart. Love, its highs and lows, mess and drama, awkwardness and laughs. Come with us as we celebrate it all. This week's episode is about two people who in the aftermath of a terrifying accident must piece together a shared life that has been forgotten. This is Forget me not. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I was uh, bringing my uh, daughter up as a single parent. This is Steph. In 2009, she and her daughter Lucy Rose are living alone in a town called St. Albans, which is just outside of London, England. I um, really enjoyed the relationship that we had. It was... um, such a a unique and strong bond. Steph and her daughter love spending time together outdoors. 
On the weekends, um, we had good family time. I loved that outdoor exploration, um, the fresh air, the openness, no people, just space to be just me. But being a single parent can be lonely, especially when your kids get older and start spending less time at home. I wanted that one-to-one companionship. I wanted uh, to meet someone who didn't go to nightclubs and the pub and was out all the time. But how do you meet somebody like that? Steph begins her quest to find love on the online dating site eHarmony. She uploads a profile picture, wearing glasses and hair styled in cornrows with a beaming smile that starts at her mouth and ends in her eyes. After completing a very thorough questionnaire, she starts to get notifications. It doesn't take long for Steph to notice that the website keeps sending her the same man's profile, a man named Richard. The photo, he kept popping up, and I thought, right, just click on it and see what what he's about. I liked the picture because um, he looked like a bouncer. Turns out Steph likes a man who looks like he works security. A man who could break up a fight at a bar, somebody who knows how to keep people safe. I remember a head with little spiky bits of hair around and then uh, quite a large frame. And I thought, he can protect me. He can uh, look after this family. He looks tough, but kind too. A perfect combination. But it's not just his looks that catch Steph's eye. He was um, very closely matched in all sorts of things. She sees that Richard is also a single parent to a daughter, and he likes the outdoors too. And so I messaged him. The pair start chatting and are soon calling each other almost daily. Things flow naturally between them. Steph is drawn to Richard's easygoing, more shy nature. I am a naturally quite a, a patience, tolerance person anyway, as part of my nature. This is Richard. We interviewed Richard and Steph together, so you might hear them commenting or giggling at each other's stories throughout. I'm not the kind of person that'll just go to the pub and meet people. Uh, it's just not me. Richard is equally enamored with Steph. He's attracted to her love of nature and respects that she prioritizes family. The personality match, according to their algorithm, uh, it was very close. It gave a good match for what our core values were and what our priorities were. They soon meet up in person. I think I was probably more nervous about meeting uh, Steph's daughter and I didn't know how she would maybe react to me or what her thought process was. I think as a, a, a single parent as well, your mind is just always busy. Um, you're always um, clearing up after something, preparing something, sorting something out. So I was just uh, focused very much on that. 
When Richard arrives at Steph's apartment, she is in full parenting mode. But Richard isn't phased by this. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It was like, Daddy's home. It was like that. It was just, he came in and was just part of the environment uh, immediately. And we got on really well anyway. We were talking, chatting, just like we had been messaging and on the phone previously. Steph's not the only one who feels at home in Richard's presence. Her daughter, Lucy Rose, quickly relaxes in his company too. I think I'd put a film on. We'd finished eating. Richard was sat in the corner of the settee and I was next to him. And then my daughter came on the other side of me and basically squashed herself in and then took up pretty much all of the settee, um, which forced me closer, squashed up to Richard. And I just turned around and I just said, I'm so sorry, this isn't, it's, this isn't a, not a trick. This isn't a, uh, we didn't plan this. I haven't told her to make this happen. Um, and he, he just looked at me and went, it's all right, it's okay. Richard and Steph slip into each other's lives like they've always been there. And about a year into dating, while celebrating their first Christmas together, Richard proposes to Steph. Holding a white porcelain bauble, the words, Will you marry me? sparkle back at Steph. Surrounded by family, understated and full of love, it's the perfect proposal. Steph replies with a gleeful yes, and the following spring, the couple tie the knot. We had Love is Kind, which is a Bible reading from Corinthians. You know the one. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's about celebrating the best of what is in us and the kindest amongst us and reminds you what a special gift this thing called love is. You can have faith and you can have hope, but love is what can connect anyone, anywhere, anytime. And, of course, they say their vows. The wedding is a fusion of their personalities. Steph has a purple color theme and carefree dancing into the early hours. Richard honors his family's wish for a Catholic ceremony complete with kilts and a traditional Scottish dance called a Kaylee. It's a joyful day to remember. The couple soon settle into married life enjoying this new phase of their relationship. They spend time together as a family, enjoying cycling and walking in the outdoors and going to see musicals in London's West End whenever they get a chance. They embrace the intimacy of a partnership whilst also taking time to explore their own interests. And on one particular evening in 2016, Steph does just that. 
She and Lucy Rose, without Richard, book one of their regular kayaking sessions on a white water course just outside of London. The sun had gone down because it was winter, it was February. So the sky is dark and the water, even though it was really, really cold and um, painfully cold on your fingers, there was a mist coming off the water. The water may be freezing, but Steph is excited to get started. She's a beginner, but the coach has confidence in her abilities. Lucy Rose, now in her mid-teens, sets off first on a section further down the river, and then it's Steph's turn to enter the water. He said, okay, so I've seen you go down before, so we'll just try a couple of um, eddies. Eddies are um, a swirl of water out beside the main flow. And as, as panicking and shaky as I was, I thought, right, okay, let's, let's do it. And so I followed him down and just about made it into the eddy. Steph is doing well so far, but is soon challenged by the conditions. I think it must have been rain, have rained a lot because there seemed to be more water faster flowing than usual. But the coach continues to encourage Steph. And then he said, fabulous. Now, follow me into the next one. And um, he disappeared and I couldn't see where he had gone. And I just remember sound, the, the big swirl sound of just the rushing white water and the cold and the noise and the busyness of the flow. Steph's adrenaline is pumping. She's positioned on the eddy line where swirls of water meet the main flow, but she needs to get back on course to catch up with the coach. I didn't know what stroke to use to pull myself from the flow of water going upstream across to the flow of water going downstream, and I got caught. Steph desperately tries to paddle and force her kayak downstream, but there's a huge plastic block in her way. These blocks are supposed to mimic real-life obstacles in the water. And I just span and wobbled and hit a big plastic block. The front of my boat got caught on the block. The kayak tipped over. Steph loses control of the kayak and does a full 180-degree turn into the air. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, what can I do? Oh, no. Before landing headfirst into the water and into the block. And then just a thunk as the boat hits the block. This thump noise. Steph experiences a sharp pain in her left brow, just under her helmet line. But she doesn't even have time to think about the pain. If she's going to survive, she needs to come up for breath. 
water just up my nose, in my ears, I can't see. And then looking, um, opening my eyes in the water and just seeing red, just lots of red. And just as Steph pieces together what that means, that she's submerged in water, turned red by her blood, everything turns to darkness. We'll be back after this break. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I was at home. I think I'd been out in the evening and I was sitting at home having some food and just watching some TV, just relaxing a bit. I got a phone call from uh, Steph's daughter say that uh, Steph had been involved in an accident uh, and there was an ambulance on the way. Steph had been rescued from the water and taken to the first aid room at the kayaking site. They do their best to stem the blood flow, but she needs to get to the hospital and quickly. I got ready, headed out the door and headed straight down to the hospital. As Richard arrives at the hospital, Steph's ambulance is pulling up. Steph was on a stretcher coming in and was stuttering really badly. Steph's awake, that's good. But she's acting strangely. I remember being in um, the hospital and being sent for a CT scan. And the guy saying, I need you to come and lie on this bed. And I just, all I could do was laugh. I just thought it was hysterically funny. And he was looking at me like, why are you laughing? The doctors assessed Steph before running some tests. I remember being taken behind a curtain and 
that a woman was typing. And she said, what's your name? And I had no idea what my name was. And then I saw she was typing. So I remember doing touch typing in the air. And by doing that, I could spell my name, but I spelt my maiden name. And then the doctors asked Steph the next question. I remember someone saying, do you know who that man is? Richard, Steph's husband, is standing by the hospital bed. And I said, e yes, uh, that's my dad. But whilst I was thinking that's my dad, my mouth said, just one word, it said husband. Um, and I thought, why did my mouth say that? It just did it by itself. So, um, so they thought, oh, she's fine. She knows who that is. But inside I'm thinking, yeah, that's my dad and he's going to make it all okay. Dad, husband, or complete stranger? I knew that he, he, his form was associated with the word husband. Uh, that's it. I didn't know him. I didn't know his character, his personality, anything to do with him, really. I, I had no history with him. Confused and overwhelmed, Seth goes to sleep. Richard watches over her. The situation hasn't sunk in for him either. I mean, how could it? He doesn't even consider that Step doesn't actually recognize him. He just wants to focus on being there for her. But when Steph wakes up, her symptoms have taken a drastic turn for the worse. I'd forgotten how to walk. My legs just, I didn't know what to do with my legs. Although Steph's body is indicating the severity of her condition, the CT scan doesn't flag anything serious to the doctors. And so, they believe the effects will be temporary. They were under the impression it would be a few weeks that still, obviously, it was a cut above the, the eye. So there would be headaches, there would be things to deal with, but in general, should recover and should be okay. Still unable to control her limbs, Steph is put in a wheelchair and released from the hospital. She and Richard head home. I didn't recognize the house. I wanted a drink, but I didn't know where the cups were uh, or how to make a drink. I need to be in the kitchen, but now what happens? Um, and just standing there, not knowing what to do, so then just going to sit down again and falling asleep because having the smallest thoughts was just shattering. 
Steph is constantly faced with seemingly minor situations that feel impossible to negotiate. Before long, she becomes unable to express herself. Over the next few days, I just lost the power of speech. Just all my words just went. I didn't have any vocabulary. It was like being a newborn baby. Steph's condition deteriorates with each passing day until she eventually loses the ability to even think for herself. I remember sitting here on this settee and uh, no one else was in the room and thinking, make a thought. Nothing's in my head. Make a thought. I just didn't know um, what a thought was. People go on retreats up Tibetan mountains um, and just into absolute nothing and they learn how to be, um, uh, just just be with, with completely empty um, minds and they pay thousands and I just had a bat on the head and I got it for free. Over the coming weeks, the family takes it one day at a time. Richard and Steph's daughter, Lucy Rose, make meals and support Steph in every practical way they know how, from showering and getting dressed to eating and walking. They leave lists around the house so she remembers how to do basic tasks. Any progress is incremental and it's exhausting for everyone involved. But there's still hope that Steph will wake up one day and find everything has gone back to normal. After all, the hospital had said this would be temporary. But when does temporary become permanent? One of the challenges we had was due to the location of the accident and the hospital. Because that was outside of our local health authority, any treatment that she received at the hospital at that time didn't automatically update the local health care. It was basically once she was discharged from the hospital, that was it, hands washed. There's no follow-up, there's no treatment plan, there's no care package, there's nothing to make sure that the recovery will go on track. As weeks turn into months, the hope of recovery slips further and further away. It was apparent that somebody that she should know, um, even even neighbours, that she just had no recollection of who they actually were. And worst of all, she still doesn't recognise Richard, her husband and love of her life. Was he a nice person? Was he a little bit concerning, dodgy, worrying? Um, probably not, because he lived here but also I couldn't hold a thought in my mind, so I couldn't even concern myself with it. It was that the man, he says he lives here. Um, I'm told I live here. The end. The thought of not being recognized, of realizing that the person you love cannot remember the relationship you have at the hospital Richard hadn't considered it. At home, 
Steph struggled with speech, so he brushed off the fact she called him different names as her not being able to find the right words. He missed the signs, perhaps because he couldn't bear to see them. But eventually, the painful reality creeps in. It was just very difficult. So stuff, the experiences we'd had, different things that we'd done as a couple, and no memory of that. And it's, it's difficult to, well, one, comprehend that you've got all these shared experiences and suddenly you're the one that remembers them, but the other person doesn't. We recorded several interviews with Steph and Richard and in various locations to get the full story. It is not an easy story to tell for me and the production team as well as for Steph and Richard. As we piece it together, you might be able to tell that the sound quality is not the same throughout. Not being recognized is, is painful, but if I sort of said, okay, well, this isn't really for me, that says more about me and how I deal with things that would just be wrong. If somebody can't do something in the partnership that you have, then you have to step up and do other bits. You have to try and coordinate more. You have to try and do more to to restore that balance in, in some ways. But it becomes clear to Richard that they cannot manage this alone. They need more treatment and more care. And we had to fight for that um, with the local authority to say, okay, this this has happened. How can we get people involved to help us with this? Whilst Richard tries to seek professional help, Steph is determined to try and get back to her old life. A year after the accident, she wants to get out and do things, things she's been told she enjoyed before the accident happened. And so, she and Richard book tickets for the musical Wicked in London's West End. A friend helps Steph get on the train into London to meet Richard after he finishes work. This is a huge step. Steph is traveling on her own for the first time since the accident. Richard meets Steph at the station. Together, they take the London subway, or the tube, as Brits call it, and head to the theater. We went down to the tube and I do remember the tube was quite busy because it was still early evening, so you still had a lot of the rush hour commuters. And there was no seats, um, so we were standing near the door. Since the accident, Steph developed sensory issues and is sensitive to sound and light. Being on the subway with the whir and rattle of the train and the rapid change between darker tunnels and well-lit stations is almost unbearable for her. Sensory overload, you've got the bright lights of the tube, you've got people talking, you've got the, the track noise, you've got the scream of the, the different things, and it was just so overwhelming, you ended up in just floods of tears. Their night out and their attempt to reclaim a part of who they are and what their relationship once was is almost ruined before it's even begun. And we got to the station and you were just so relieved because the silence after the tube is just such 
such a different experience. Courageous as ever, Steph presses on and the couple make their way to the theater and take their seats. But the experience on the tube has taken it out of Steph. And so, as much as she wants to feel the joy she used to when seeing a musical, she just can't. I don't understand the story, and people have got uh, voices that are um, silly voices, theatrical voices that hurt. And then there's lights happening on the stage, so closing my eyes and and then blocking my ears as well. And then I think about five minutes into it, you kind of fell asleep. It's not the triumphant outing Steph and Richard were hoping for. No one could tell me if or when I would get better. I just wanted my old life back so much. Um, and I fell into a severe depression and I absolutely believed there was no point in carrying on. Steph sees no point in getting up in the morning and she cannot fathom why Richard, this stranger, is still by her side. I did ask Richard, why are you still with me? For Richard, the answer is simple. Love. Her underlying nature is not something that was lost with the accident. Memories, yes, absolutely. But your underlying personality is still there. Through marriage, you've made a pledge to support that person. Uh, and it's not just words, it is something that you, you said you will do. Richard isn't just a man of words. He is a man of his word. And that translates into deeds. He perseveres. He celebrates every birthday, every wedding anniversary, and every Christmas. He looks through old photo albums with Steph, helping her to piece together old memories, reassuring her through constant affection that he is there no matter what, and that somewhere underneath her injuries, so is she. I realized that I didn't know who you were, but you were a good, you were a goodie. You were on my side. It's clear to them both. Steph cannot remember Richard. But is her love for him also gone? Could she begin to understand why the Steph, whose memory was lost in the accident, married Richard? Could the Steph now love Richard? Could she fall in love all over again? This man who everyone says that I married, he is really kind and can be good fun and can be very patient. More after the break. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Several years have passed since the accident, and Steph's family have come to accept that her condition is intemporary. I don't think there was a specific point that you think, actually, this is it. You just gradually, over the time, start to realize, like, we have to adapt, we have to learn how to deal with this. But for Steph, accepting her situation was incredibly difficult. She became depressed, and each day was a struggle. But over time, and with the constant encouragement and love from her family, something shifts in her. I think it changed when we recognized we needed else, when I recognized I needed outside help. I was so determined to get better, because that's what you do. If something goes wrong, you carry on as much as you can, uh, you, protect, you, you act like everything's normal, and you just get on with it, and it wasn't working. I wasn't functioning, I wasn't coping and it was having a massive impact on the whole family. So asking for help was the biggest step. Steph now accepts this is not something they can face alone. And together, after fighting tirelessly, the couple finally get the professional help they so desperately need a support worker who understands Steph's needs. It was Anna, she's, she's just the most amazing woman. And she said, okay, um, what do you want to improve in? What do you want your life to be like? And let's see how we can help that happen. Finally, Steph has someone who can help her understand what has happened to her. I was diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome. With this new information and someone to help guide them through the changes to their lives, Steph gradually reaches a place of acceptance. People say you have to know who you are before you can be in a relationship. You have to know what you have to give, what you have to offer. For a long time, Steph didn't know what she could offer, but finding self-love creates space to embrace another love in her life, Richard. The love that was coming this direction made me feel a glow, a, a warmth, a safety, um, a, a port. Without pressure or request of anything back implied, you would just mm -hmm. say, I love you. So that was a phrase that was normalized. Steph begins to see the reasons why she fell in love with Richard. And those feelings no longer just exist in her past. They begin to inform her present. Despite the fact that uh, we've lost a lot of 
the times and the memories and that sort of thing are core um interests our core beliefs our principles our uh, integrity that's the word i want our integrity it matches um it's magnets together steph could now see what richard saw all along their values what they cared about and the core of who they were as people hadn't changed their love never died in fact it had only strengthened if anything, I think it's probably made it made us stronger as a couple. The fact that we worked through this together, I think we have a better understanding of each other, perhaps. Richard and Steph begin to embrace the things they can do rather than mourn the things they can't anymore. Yes, meeting up with friends in large groups is difficult and their social lives have undoubtedly changed, but they still have their own adventures just like before the accident. The couple are now avid motorcycle riders, albeit on short, well-known routes for Steph. Richard continues his work with the Sea Cadets, and Steph has even taken up kayaking again. We found a new rhythm where I have a poorly thought-out idea or activity, and he tries to make it happen safely. In early 2023, the couple decide to go on a trip across Europe together. And although Steph can't plan and organize a trip like she used to, her zest for life and love for exploring is just as strong as it ever was. It was spontaneous by nature. We didn't have a plan. We had a rough idea of what we wanted to do over the course of the trip, but we could afford to be spontaneous. So that actually lent itself very well to what Steph wanted to do is a case of well why don't we go here okay let's go here and i was look at that let's <laughs> do it and for steph though there are still days when she forgets who richard is and how they met she sees this now as a kind of gift I meet Richard for the first time quite regularly, but what is really special is that he makes that meeting very easy. It's like the first time we met when you came to my old flat and we already knew each other really well anyway. By changing her perspective, Steph has transformed not remembering Richard into getting to meet Richard over and over again. Out of something traumatic, she has made something romantic. Every time she meets him, she falls in love with him again. Isn't that just beautiful? Just like our profiles on uh, the Harmony website suggested we are very compatible. compatible and it's it's learning to love him for the first time because in my head it's the first time the algorithm really was working that day when it suggested richard to steph it didn't do so once it did it repeatedly looking back 
It was almost a sign, a sign that Richard was the kind of man Seth could fall in love with more than once. Bit of a cliche about finishing each other's sentences, but it is actually what we do, that when Steph's struggling to express something, then I'll play a word game trying to guess what she's trying to say and propose different words, and yes, that's it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. The reading we had at the wedding, um, that Love is Kind uh, poem, and at the end it says, Love is patient, love is kind. It protects, hopes, trusts, uh, and perseveres. It's nice to know that we're living out what our... The wedding um, components. Uh, yeah. yeah, yes, we put it in because that's how we felt and we live in it. We didn't just make it up. And I know that whatever sort of day I have, that Richard is there, he's always there to share it if I remember anything about it. <laughs> Since recording this episode, Steph has been nominated for an award by Headway UK, the charity that works to improve life after brain injury and whose team provide vital support to Steph. The award is in recognition of how much Steph has achieved since her brain injury. Not only does she support others living with similar conditions, Steph also helps to train other health professionals alongside Headway to raise awareness of hidden disability. I'm Tay Diggs, and this has been You Had Me at Hello. If you have an incredible love story, please reach out to us at lovestories at sonymusic.com. We'd love to hear it. You Had Me at Hello is a Sony Music Entertainment production. It's hosted by me, Tay Diggs. This episode was produced by Martha Miller and Clem Hitchcock. The series producer is Martha Miller, Georgia Mills is the story editor. The production coordinators are E.K. Egbatola and Lily Hamley. Kat Moran is the production manager. It was written by Femi Keeling and the production team. Alciona Mick composed the original music. Scoring and sound design by Tom Drew. Isis Thompson, Lucy Field, and Tay Diggs are the executive producers. Special thanks to Jez Nelson, Chris Skinner, Julia Stevenson, and Kieran Lancini.